Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Verse 2. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, uh, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let us pray. Father, we ask you, as we gather around your word, that it shall be powerful, that it shall have the ability to change the speaker and the hearer alike, that its power shall extend not only in this room, but into the the world of iTunes and all who download and hear, that the power of the Holy Spirit will be released among us in the same way as in the story we've read. And that, Lord, the changing of lives will be the fruit of this time together. Not only those who hear, but those who will go and do. And those who will be the recipients of the doers of the word. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, may we rise up and walk at the end of this. uh, 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 Jumping and leaping and praising God. May your kingdom come. Thanks be to God for his grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just thinking about really all the years of uh, being here and wanting to do something that's appropriate, which is to sort of reflect back, but the best way to really reflect is always to look forward in a funny kind of way and to think about what great adventures await the church here, what great work there is to do, 
what great excitement and thrill and joy awaits um, in the journey here uh, that we're beginning to taste um, already. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I go to a, a restaurant and I have the starter, and sometimes the starter fills you up, especially in the north of England. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and I tell you, the things God is already doing. We're enjoying good starter dishes, aren't we, right now? Some of the stories that are coming back, and you wait and see what happens even this week. But there is a, a wonderful feast yet to come. So here are some reflections uh, from this, uh, this story, very famous Pentecostal story of a healing uh, off the back of the day of Pentecost. What can we learn about our lives as a result of this uh, story? And who are the beautiful people? Number one, in order to move forward in the things that God wants to do today, is we're going to have to, like these men, prioritize church. I want you to notice that this amazing story, the man is healed and this evangelism and mission, proclamation of the gospel. But where does it originate? It originates from verse 1 when Peter and John were going to the temple to go and to pray. We know it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There was a time that they had to meet to pray. That means that they were going to go and meet with others. This wasn't a couple of Christian geezers who were deciding, should we go and pray in the temple today? Oh yes, let's. No, they were going to meet with the gathered church that at this stage in the church's history was just simply meeting in the courts of the temple. We find that at the end of Luke and all throughout the early part of Acts. They had no church buildings, but they, were, but they freely met in the temple courts. These two men were busy. They were Peter and John after all. They were people, however, who were prioritizing church. They could have gone off and done their own thing. The Spirit's power was on them, but they were committed to meeting with the church. And whatever the 21st century has in store for us, God's solution is still going to be the church. God's solution to the, to the winning of men and women, God's solution to touching communities, is not on the internet. Wonderful though it is. God's solution to touching Cambridge is not going to be because of a Christian radio station or a TV show that's going to come along. Wonderful though what's happening on Channel 5 on Saturday nights is. But God's solution isn't that. God's solution remains the same. I will build my church. I will build my church. And God is building the church. And so if you and I are not building the church, then we're not building what God's building. He's building the church. <laughs> That's what he's doing. And so if I want to be a builder in God's kingdom, I can't build my ministry. I can't build any number of other things. I have to build the church. 
if I want to be in on the building. There's nothing else that God is putting his checkbook to. There's nothing else that's getting his attention. The church. The internet's going to be amazing. The ability to broadcast sermons and podcast and vidcast, it, it's all going to be amazing. But it's never going to replace that necessity to get out of bed in the morning, get your socks on, get in the car and come to a church. It's, that's never going to change. That's always going to be God's way. They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to prayer. But they were also devoted to fellowship. They prioritized, prioritized that meeting in the temple. They were going at the time of prayer. Very interesting. Can I throw this out just for fun as it's my last message? They weren't late. It doesn't say they were going to the temple half an hour after everybody else. At the time of meeting, they were going. They were there. Right? So have a think about that over Christmas. Make a New Year's resolution or something. In fact, don't do that. Make a lifelong resolution. They were going to the temple at the time of prayer. They loved the temple. We also see that they were working in teams. They were together. And that's going to be important. That's always going to be important in your Christian life. You can't do it by yourself. And certainly to get involved in, in activity that involves reaching people, that involves touching people's lives, it's going to require teamwork. There are occasions in the book of Acts where people are thrown into the deep end all by themselves. So Philip ends up all by himself in the desert. There are times when Paul is left alone, for example, at Athens. But this wasn't the normal pattern. The normal pattern is Peter and John, or Barnabas and Paul, or Paul and Silas, or Paul and Timothy. You get the point? People were together. People were together. And if we're going to reach the city, if we're going to reach, if we're going to turn the church into a, into an animal that comes out of its four walls, it's going to require teamwork. Not just a few individuals with a bit of fire on them who want to go ahead and do it. It's going to require teamwork to do that. So they loved the temple. They loved the teamwork. They also loved the task. It'd been very simple for them, would it not? To have said to the guy, excuse me, I, We'll be back later because at the moment we're on our way to church. You know, it's been very easy for them to say, actually, uh, we don't want to be late for this. Will you be here later? We're going to go and pray for now. Will you be here later? Maybe we could take an offering up and, you know, um, bring it to you later. No, not at all. And if you want, here is, a, here is a divine bit of permission to be late for church, to be about the king's business, which isn't quite the same as being about the breakfast or whatever else. Here they were about the king's business. And so their priority was the task of the evangelization of their city. They loved the temple. They loved the teamwork. And they loved the task. The first one is they prioritized church. The second is they had a Pentecostal mindset. Or if you don't like the denominational tag, they had a spirit-filled 
mindset. For years and years, for all my ministry really, there's something I've been trying to work out. And I think I finally understand it. Do you want to know what it is? That'll be handy because I'm going to tell you. Something I've been trying to work out. Do I need God to empower me more? Or do I have everything I need if only I would believe it? I've been chewing that, that, chewing over that concept for years. Would we see more miraculous things if we prayed more? Or if we believed more? For example, that's, that's, that's an outworking of that idea. Do I need more power, Lord? Or do I already have everything I need already on the inside of me, if only I would just get going with it? And as a church like this stands on the brink, that's a question that must be resolved. On Tuesday night, when some of you are out on the street and you meet someone and you want to pray with them, you're going to need to know then and there that you've got the power that they need. That you don't need to go and call someone and ask them to pray for you that you get an anointing now. You're going to need to know that you've got everything you need now. But what's amazing to me in this story, which I I think just sums up that whole tension, is they were on their way to prayer, but they didn't get there. They were on their way to pray for God's assistance. But they were interrupted on the way by the need. Do you understand what I'm saying? They never got to the prayer meeting to pray for more power on themselves. They never got there. And I believe that as the church stands on the brink of a whole new day, I believe that we should keep these two things in complete tension forever. Number one, we need the Lord. God, I need you. God, I am desperate for you to make me a usable vessel. And that we should seek God in prayer. And that we should receive prayer. Earlier this week, Jane and I were at a Christmas function, but we came back from the function to the prayer meeting at the college. And I asked the students to pray with me. I knew I was preaching in the morning. Because I need prayer. I need God to touch me. I am desperately in need. And yet, on the other side, swing it round. Also, I have everything I need at any time. You say, well, that's a contradiction. That's absolutely right. It is a contradiction. And men and women of God, We should continue to come before God, seeking Him. Continue to come before God, calling upon His name. But when the moment comes, when we need to be in action, that's not the time to pray. That's the time to act. That's the time to perform as though you were an apostle. Not to wish that you were. I don't know about you, but um, 
every now and then I'll have a, like a, we've, we've got a coffee machine at the college. It's absolutely marvelous. And it's, it's cheaper than here. But then everything is. But I don't know about you, but uh, uh, I am partial to a bit of sugar in the old drink. And sometimes I'll be drinking and I say, there's no sugar in this. And I get a spoonful and, you know, throw it in. And I drink, no, no, there's, there's just not enough. Just get another sh- sugar and spoon it in. I could do this now because the dentists are cheap. So you just keep doing that. It's no, it's no problem. And then, if you're anything like me, you get to the final <laughs> dregs of the drink. With all of that sugar. Ooh, that final bit of the drink. That frankly ruins the whole experience, doesn't it? You might as well have not had it. See, this, see here's the secret. The sugar was there all along. I just, need to, just needed to stir it up. What does the word of God say? Stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. And as you come into that place of prayer, Lord, will you use me? You are letting sugar pour into your soul. But when it comes to the moment, you don't need more sugar. You just need to stir up the gift of God. It's wonderful, isn't it? In that moment, everything you need is there. In that moment, interrupted on a way to a prayer meeting, when David heard Goliath Shouting in the valley, he did not get on the phone to Samuel and say, I need a fresh anointing. He went down there and knocked that man's head off. Because he had everything he needed. And listen to me, King's Church, we're going to need to live permanently in that tension of coming to the place of prayer, of, of being, having the temple being a priority. And saying, God, and pray. As though everything, as as though you were entirely empty. God, I must be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. But when faced with that moment, don't doubt it for a moment. Just stir up the gift of God. And that glorious anointing will flow out of you and touch the people. Can you say amen? And this is where the church needs to live, doesn't it? In the gate. This wonderful miracle. Occurring in the gate in Jerusalem. Some of you will not know. A gate doesn't mean a kind of a big iron thing you swing open. It's like a giant archway. And here this miracle occurs in the gate. The gate is the door between, if you like, the holy place of the temple and the secular place of the street outside. Once you've gone into the temple, of course, they had to go and cleanse themselves and go into a bath and get all, you know, cleaned up. They considered the temple a holy place to be. And so there they are going from, if you like, the secular world into the spiritual world or the secular place into the spiritual place. But where do we find God at work? We find him at work in the gate. Where the two worlds meet. Where the, where the prayer meeting meets the street. That's where the kingdom of God will most be seen. Where the prayer meeting meets the street. In the gate. 
We must be the people of the gate. People who know what it is to have met with God, but people who know what it is to touch the people who don't know God. That's what's happening right here in that gate. And in fact, when we look at the book of Ezekiel, and we hear about the river that flowed from the temple, guess what? The further the river was away from the temple, the deeper it was. It didn't become shallower as it moved away from the temple. It became deeper as it moved away from the temple. The beautiful people are the people who stand in the presence of God. But go and take that presence. Go and take that treasure out into the gateway and beyond so that the kingdom of God can come. So number one, we should prioritize church. Number two, keep that Pentecostal mindset. Absolute need. And yet, paradoxically, absolute sufficiency. When called upon to bless someone in the street, hear the word of the Lord. You've got it. You've got it. Such as I have, I give to you. That's not the moment to pray. That's not the moment to doubt. That's the moment to believe your beliefs. See the glory of God poured out. Number three, make ops and expect apps. Make ops and expect apps. Ops being short for opportunities and apps being short for divine appointments. I don't know whether your view of this story is as skewered as mine was for many, many years. I thought what happened is this. I thought that these men were going to a prayer meeting, maybe sometime early in the morning or something like that. And while they were going there, there was this man. He was sitting by the gate. He was begging. He'd been there for hours and hours. He was there the day before. And on this moment, as they walked by him, they noticed him and the miracle took place. That's always how I read the story. That he'd been there for hours before they even showed up. Look again. Look again at the story. Now a man, verse 2, crippled from birth, was what? Being carried to the temple gate. You say, well, is that any different? It's fundamentally different. The man was being carried to the temple gate. He wasn't there. And by the way, verse 1 tells us it's 3 in the afternoon. So I want you to see this this story in a different way. God set this up perfectly. Because while they, the two of them, were walking to the temple, this man was being carried to meet them. He wasn't just sitting there by the gate, begging and and he'd been there for hours. Is anyone going to give me any money? He'd only just arrived. They met at the same time 
in the gate. Look in your Bible. That's exactly what it says. The man was being carried to the gate. So it's not just the man that witnessed this miracle. The people carrying him also perhaps. Because it goes on to say later, all the people were amazed because they knew he was the man who used to beg. And not often we've read that, well, everyone recognized him. Well, I'm sure perhaps they did. But perhaps also the people carrying him to the gate were there and saw this happen. Just as Peter and John are coming to the gate, so also the man is being carried to the gate. And they meet right Underneath its arch, as they lower him down, Peter and John arrive. I think God set that up, don't you? I think God set that up. One characteristic of this church is going to be this. One characteristic of the beautiful people. The people who who love the temple, but also love to go out through the gate. They are the beautiful people. The people who go with the word of God, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. That event under that beautiful gate is an absolute fulfillment of that Old Testament verse. Their feet were beautiful as they arrived to bring him good news. But I want you to see what happened. That man was brought right into their path. I think as the church moves on and looks to the future, we should start to recognize that God is capable of sending apps in our pathway even more than Apple can do. Lord, I believe that if I can be open to you, you can bring me to the very people that I need to meet. Lord, I believe that someone like Paul And Silas and Timothy and Barnabas, they were people of principle. They believed that the gospel should be preached. So they went to the cities and preached it. And Peter and John were men of principle. They were going to pray at the hour of prayer at the temple. But about principle, you can receive a prompting. Let me encourage you with this thought. Don't live your life by promptings. Live your life by principles. And you'll find that promptings will come along as well. Let me explain what I mean by that. I'm not not suggesting we should do nothing unless God speaks to us. That would be living your life by promptings. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're not to sit and wait. God, if you speak to me, I'll do it. No! Get a mindset that says, I will share the gospel with you if you talk to me. Live a life of principle. I'm an evangelist. I'm here to bring the kingdom of God into the life of my community, the life of my family, the life of those around me. And in the midst of that, if you can live in that world, you will find like Paul, like Peter, like John, that God will carry people right into your life. Look for it. They didn't just expect apps. They also made ops. They made the opportunity. There's no question in my mind that they could have just walked by the man. No question. They had a date. 
They had a priority. They had, you know, we've got to go pray. We, you know, or we're meeting with the guys. Bartholomew has only just been appointed an apostle and we want to set a good example for him. And yet, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, they seized an opportunity. I want to say something that I believe is true. Christianity only really works when you share your faith. Everything else will just very soon become boring. If you can get in the cut and thrust of the dare of the adventure, daring to have people think less of you than you'd like, daring to believe that God could use you, even if you're rejected by them, maybe God has used you. We don't know what God is doing, do we? But if you can get into the world of sharing the word of God with people, suddenly Christianity is all going to suddenly make sense. If you don't do that, let me just tell you this, you are doomed to decades of hymn singing without any real sense of what all this is about. And God doesn't want to put his spirit on a few superstars. You're one of the beautiful people too. You're one of the beautiful people too. So God brought this this crippled man right into their midst. Who's God going to bring up those stairs next week? Who's God going to bring into your pathway on Tuesday nights or indeed Monday mornings when we are about the king's business? Let's have one more here. Offer cure, not just comfort. The man wanted money. He looked at them hoping that they were going to give him money. He asked for arms and he got legs. Let's not be... Let's not be flippant too much about this. There are times when people really do need money. The kingdom of God uh, is not adverse to money. Money is uh, an important part of it. If God has my money, then he really has me. And so there are really, there really are times where we have to give our money. So I, I'm just setting that up as I'm now going to say something different. But, but th- there's a time to pray for the Philippines and there's a time to give to the Philippines. Yes. And often it's both things. There's a time to pray for patience and Lee and there's a time to give to patience and Lee, etc., etc. There are times where we need to do something as well as pray about something. In this instance, silver and gold, he had none. But that's not always true of me and you. That's not always true of me and you. And by the way, silver and gold I have none. Don't believe any of these silly preachers who tell you that that God wants you to be highly rich and you'd have all this money. Peter and John had no silver and no gold. There are times in Paul's life, I'm thinking of passages in Philippians 4 when he said he didn't have enough money to eat. If only he'd sent off $44 to an evangelist, he could have got the 44 blessings of Psalm 44. I never was too too sure about that. I always wanted the blessing of Psalm 1. Can I just send $1? (laughs) Psalm 1's pretty good. Now, there were times when the apostles didn't have any money, and that might be true for us. But there are times when we do have money, and there are times when we should use the money. God's not not terribly worried about us having money, but he is sometimes worried when we when we keep it. 
So it's not really about whether you've got the money. It's really about what you're doing with it. And so money is it's not uh, incidental. It's not incidental. And they could have comforted him with a bit of money. Instead, they had cure. I want you to notice something that happened in the story. It says, in verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. I know it's, you might think it's a small detail, but I think it's an important one. The man was unable to walk. So the first thing Peter did was not, not speak tongues. In fact, he didn't do that at all, of course. He didn't really pray. The first thing he did when he began to touch the man here, having given the word of command, was he helped him up. Sometimes you might not feel like you're the next miracle worker to walk into town. And you'd be right. But there's something we can all do. We can all help people up. God had to heal him. But Peter had to help him up. And that wonderful connection between the divine and the human. As King's Church goes forward, hear the word of the Lord today. God is going to strengthen and do miraculous things. But what's required of us, the beautiful people, the people of the gate, is we're going to have to go and help some people up. We're going to have to do what we can do. And God will do what He can do. But we have to help people up. Peter used his energy and effort to lift the man up from the floor. As he lifted him up from the floor, then God did what only he can do. I love what Acts 10 verse 38 says. It says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Well, thank God for the anointing that heals people oppressed of the devil. But here's something else Jesus did. He went about doing good. Beautiful people, it's time to be as good as we can be. To go out from the temple courts into the wonderful shadow of the gate and do good to people. Do good to people. For many years, many years, the last five years, each one particular day of the week, we sat downstairs with a group. A group who have had some unlucky breaks in life. And every Wednesday I would sit there and make conversation for an hour. Sometimes it was easier than other times. And I thank God for the grace he showed to those men, men who've had just some rough times in life, who've been broken and under such pressure, their minds have snapped or broken or been damaged in some way, and they're all recovering from that. And those meetings were not opportunities to demonstrate the transformation of Christ to set them free in a quick five-minute prayer. But they were opportunities to help some people up. One of the greatest days that I had this year was not the opening of this building. 
it wasn't some great moment of worship. It's actually just driving one of the guys to the job center. And he was nervous about an interview. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with you. And I'll sit with you in that interview and just be with you. And what did it take me? Maybe an hour of my time. But it was probably the best hour I spent that week. Maybe one of the best hours I've spent this year. God will do amazing things. But let's not forget our role. We help people up. When we help people up, then the divine can kick in. And God can do something amazing. But don't forget that he asked for arms, he needed legs. Offer cure, not just comfort. Here's one of the issues as well, which is not intended to be a a contradiction to that. But remember ultimately that what that beggar needed on the street was he needed the good news of Jesus Christ. And some of the people that we'll meet, God really will touch them. And other people, it just maybe won't be their time. Maybe it awaits another time. But don't forget, we are here to share the good news. What that man really needed was not fresh legs. He needed eternal life. His legs would have failed him again. Don't you know that Lazarus had two funerals? He did die again, you know. But he that believeth in the resurrection and the life shall never die. Remember, you're an ambassador. Very, very quickly they say to the man, look at us. Well, we're aware of that, aren't we? That people are gazing in our direction. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And so never forget. You want to talk about what the face of the church is like? The face of the church is your face. A few weeks ago, I went to a church for the first time. I'd never been there before. I have some shocking news to tell you today. I was the youngest, sorry, the oldest there. I was the oldest person there. I was like granddad in the corner. I didn't know any of the songs. I'm not sure I liked the flashy lights. I certainly didn't like the fact that I was the oldest there. Did I mention that I was the oldest there? But I found in that church of young student types, I found friendship. I found people falling over themselves to get me a drink. I put several sugars in before I stirred it up. I found people wanting to invite me back next week. I found found Jesus there. I don't mean I got saved, you know, but I found found that Jesus was there. I met a beautiful group of young people who represented the kingdom. When I saw them, I saw the Father. And every member of that church, every member of that church that spoke to me was an ambassador, not just for that church, but for Christ. Peter dares to say to the man, look at us, Many of us don't. We say, no, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. You know. But let, let's just wake up. They can't look at Jesus. They can only look at you. Hadn't you worked that out the last 20 years of being a Christian? They can't look at Jesus. They can only look at you. 
Jesus knew that the Father could not be seen. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Beautiful people, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Every member of the fellowship is representing the fellowship, is representing the Lord. If my computer goes wrong, and I take it back to the Apple store, or as we have in the north of England, the orange store, it's cheaper. None of those people are, uh, none of those people are Steve Jobs. But Apple to me isn't a logo, is it? It's not a computer. Apple to me is Simon, the bloke who works at the, at the Apple store. We've used this illustration before. He who has seen Simon has seen Apple. He who has seen you has seen the Lord. And so never forget that you are an ambassador. Never forget. Finally, here today, use the mighty name of Jesus. When all was said and done, the whole thing about whether he was sufficient or insufficient, the whole thing about whether he had the resources to give the man, the whole thing about whether the man should look at him or look at God, it did all come down to this one moment in, in time, didn't it? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. A little later on, when the apostles are being interrogated here in Acts chapter 3, Peter says to them, please don't look at us. Why do you stare at us? Verse 12, Acts 3, verse 12. As though by our power or godliness, this man walks. Why are you looking at us? Because it wasn't us. It was faith in the name of Jesus. As the church moves forward, I believe it will need to once again hit a refresh and once again understand the mighty power of the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the name which is above every name. Jesus, the name at which the lameness in that man had to bow its knee. No pun intended. Whenever we use the name of Jesus, we are using it as though Jesus himself were there. Never forget that. Never forget that when you, it's not a matter of just adding in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer. Or so that was some kind of Merlin magic that made it all work. Jesus' name is not a magic spell. To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in the will of Jesus. So if you cannot say in the name of Je if you cannot say at the end of your prayer, what I'm praying now is the will of Jesus, you can't pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> now I know sometimes we cannot know the will of God. But most of the time I think we probably can. 
in the name of Jesus. In other words, here I am. The Lord has ascended. But here I am with my friend John in Jerusalem. But if Jesus were here, I know exactly what he would do. He would give this man his legs back. And because I know the heart of Jesus, because I know the mission of Jesus, and because I believe in the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, walk as though Jesus himself were here. Jesus isn't here, but I am. And so I'm going to declare something in his name, with his authority, as though he himself were present. The seven sons of Sceva in Acts 19 soon discover that it's not a magic spell. The devil overpowered them when they tried to use a name that they didn't know. But these were men who knew Jesus. These were men who knew the heartbeat of Jesus. I want to encourage you, catch a refresh of its power today. The name which is above Every name. God is moving by His Spirit all over the world. Just last week I had breakfast with a, with a man. I didn't know him, but I asked him, tell me a little bit about yourself. He said when he was a child, he's from Africa, and he said when he was a child, he bowed down and he worshipped idols. When he was 12 years old, he had a dream of a man in white speaking to him. The man said to him, when you are older, you will serve me. 12 years old. The guy woke up, went down, met up with his mum and said, I've had a dream. Of Jesus Christ. What did he say? He said, when I am older, I will serve him. Today, he's serving Jesus Christ. Today, he's training for the ministry at Manasseh Bible College. It's amazing, isn't it? This is the God we serve. So today, I want to encourage us. You, me, my family, your family, the church family. We need to be people of the gate. Being people of the gate means that we do have one of our feet still in the prayer room. And we have our other foot right out in the street. That's what makes us beautiful people. And as we are those beautiful people, we will meet those other beautiful people. The ones that God is bringing in our direction even today. Look for them. Expect them. Believe God for them. And I believe we shall see some amazing things in the days that lie ahead. Are you ready for the river to get deeper the further away it goes from this venue? Are you ready? To stir up the gift of God at any time, night or day. To believe that God has given you everything you need. Even if right now 
it feels like there's no sugar in your cup at all. The future is bright. Why don't we stand together? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.